0: The following was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio is speaking. For those of you who don't know, my family's in New Jersey and my dad had an accident in the ocean about three weeks ago now. And um, yeah, he, he hit his head body surfing and cracked what's the orbital bone of his skull, which fractured some of that bone back through the this sort of energy field called a DORA that protects the brain. It went through that and, and caused some pretty significant, significant injury. And um, it's been hard. It's been hard to be here. It was hard to be there. It was, it was easier to be there than it was not. And uh, he's, he's on a slow road to recovery. So two weeks ICU, um, not, breathe, you know, not breathing on his own, not eating on his own. Uh, he, you know He can't speak. He was largely sedated. Uh, and then the last week in the hospital, he was starting to come up a little bit, trying to get him breathing on his own. Again and today, right when I left, he's in a. Uh, he had been moved to a neurological rehab center where they'll begin to work on his motor and cognitive abilities. So, um, yeah, scary stuff. It was scary hearing about it. It was hard to be there. Um, walked in the into the hospital room for the first time last Sunday morning, and man, it it took me a second. And I know some of you have been through things like that, and some of you haven't, and many of us will be at some point with someone uh, we love. But just to see someone. Uh, Beat up like that. My dad was just here last month. We surfed a bunch of days in a row. He's he's an active guy, uh, but yeah, it was it was very hard to see that. Um, he has kind of one eye going, and and he's he's in and out of consciousness, and his memory is we're working on that. It was very much like Fifty First Dates. You guys see that Any, anybody? I mean, it wasn't funny though with my dad. So why are you guys laughing? Um, no, but it was. I mean, my brothers and I were all in there. Four brothers, and th- and three or four of us were usually around. and and we can make anything funny. I mean, we were we were laughing in there, and, and he kind of had to. It's just crazy in, in a hospital room. But yeah, we'd have to explain to him each day. Hey, do you know why you're here? Do you know what happened? He'd kind of shake his head, and you know, do, do you know who we are? And sometimes he he he'd know. Sometimes he wouldn't. But he's getting there. Um, but yeah, hard to be part of. Hard to see that. Hard to not see him kind of trapped in his own body. And kind of have to walk my dad through that, through that stuff. So appreciate the prayers and support uh, to get us out there. We don't know exactly what happened. A lot of people are like, what happened? You know what happened? As far as we know he, you know, he cracked his head out in the water. He was about 200 yards out. So he's with a friend. Uh, he knocked himself unconscious. Uh, he, he popped up face down. His friend thought he was joking um, and eventually went over to him to push on him, and he sank. And then his friend had to bring him about 200 yards back into the beach. So he, he effectively drowned during that process. Was resuscitated on the beach. There was someone around who was uh, helpful with that. He didn't wake up, but he was kind of, kind of breathing again. And uh, and that's all we got. And I don't know if he hit his head on his body or the sand or rock. Uh, was there a foul play from the friend? I, we don't know what happened. It was uh, it was hard. You know, wow, did he have sin in his life? I don't know. Probably. I mean, I, I'm sure he did. <laughs> um couldn't god have prevented it yeah i guess you know my dad's been surfing for 50 years i'm sure god has prevented a lot of accidents so we don't know all that stuff right and i I was a little bit when i first heard i kind of wanted to know and i even asked my brothers like have you been back to the site they're like what do you mean the site like the scene of the crime like we're gonna put on scuba mask and and go comb the ocean floor like it's the titanic like what's down there you know what happened uh what's the investigative report and you know does it matter doesn't really matter. Um, it, what matters is where we are today, right? And as I reflect on on this time, and yeah, would it be nice to find out information maybe if, if it comes to light? I don't think he'll remember what happened, but it didn't really matter. Uh, it didn't matter how it happened. It did happen, and we need to move into a period of recovery. And we started a few weeks ago, and it's been a little bit of a blur for me the past couple weeks or a few weekends. He we opened his book. Uh, Galatians, and it's this letter to these churches, this collection of churches, and if you remember for Paul, this wasn't a letter to one church or one person, it was to a region, so unique unique letter that way, he's like, I just got to get this out to everybody in the area, that is like, send all, hit all the contacts, I, I, I don't have time to find out where exactly it is or who it is, I just know all you guys in this area, you can throw a map up, Alex, Just buckshot, let's get it out there, and he sends out this letter to this whole sort of area where he had planted churches in this region of Galatia. And he blasts that out to everybody. And when he addresses them, he's, he's dealing with this issue of all these people that he had planted churches for. There was freedom, liberation. Uh, they were coming into their own of who God wanted them to be, their identity. And then there was this movement of religious legalizers who had come in and said, mm, Well, what you have is good, but what would be better is if we add a bunch of the laws back into it. Right? And we talked about the laws a couple, a couple weeks ago. And and he's addressing these people like there's a whole life ahead of you, there is freedom ahead of you, there's freedom in Christ. Why are we going back back to this? And and when Paul writes these letters, and Paul lives this way, I don't read a, read a verse from Paul. Uh, and this is a letter he writes to the Philippians, and he's addressing them in, in this sort of idea that we have so much ahead of us in Jesus. We have this 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 life ahead of us in Christ. And he says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. Or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to, to what lies ahead. And when Paul addresses the churches of Galatia, that whole region up there, or really any of his letters, when he writes to, to, to specific churches, a lot of times there's an issue, sometimes they're just more encouragement, but a lot of times there's an issue he's addressing, when he addresses these, these letters, he doesn't look at the church, and the first thing he doesn't ask is, like, how did this happen? We need to figure out how this happened. Who was there? Give me names. How did it begin? What was the weather like? I mean, he doesn't get into that. What he addresses is, there is an issue. You've backslidden into the law, and we need to move, move out of that. He so said, I heard these things. I don't, need to, I don't need to even know all the details. What we need to talk about is how to get you back into the freedom of Jesus, and he doesn't belabor the point of just digging into the minutia. And some of us do that. Some of us are okay to not. But some of us are, like, really into, like, what happened? How did it get here? What's, and, and, like, those are maybe questions for another time. Some of us just need to, to look at the big, the big picture. The big picture is they need, they need Jesus. They need the freedom in Christ. They need the gospel for what it is, not this broke-down broke gospel. They add laws back into it. He's like, I've heard these things about you and if and if you were here we looked at this this is a very like all caps kind of email from Paul he is he is upset he is he is ticked off a little bit he has spent time with these people this is some of his this is these are his babies these churches these are some of the first churches he's planted he's seen great things and now he's hearing stuff like oh no don't go back don't go back to the law we've got to get you out of that we got to get you back to freedom in Jesus. We got to get you back to to a liberated, God centered life, not this one weighed down by man made religion. And he's and he's going after these these this group, and he begins to tell his testimony. We'll look a little more at that today. These first couple chapters, Paul really he explains himself, which is unique to his letters. And when he look at the people, kind of what they're falling into, there is this big: we need freedom in in Jesus. But he's like we. We can work out the rest from there. That is the big thing for you and I. We need to embrace this, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, once they get that, is, is the Church of Galatia going to be perfect? No, absolutely not. They're going to have issues. They're going to continue to have issues. But we've got to take care of the big stuff first. When we talk about homelessness, I've uh, worked worked with the city and, and other cities for years. Largely, one of, the, one of the, the things that we can agree upon, we try to talk about long-term plans and homelessness, is, is housing first. We've got to get people housed. We've got to get them off the street. Then we can begin work. And it's not like, well, how did he get here? You know, we don't want to hear his story. Uh, what day did you become homeless? What's your family history? Who's responsible for this? There's all that stuff. Do those answers get him off the street? No, they don't. They're just part of the story. The story's fine, right? We, we, we like stories. The story's interesting, but it's not housing, it's not, it's not getting him off the street. And so for you and I and the Church of Galatia and anyone in between, the first step is coming, is encountering the freedom of Jesus, knowing that, hey, you are forgiven. You are liberated. We can work out the rest from there, but you have to, you have to grab that. There is nothing you can do to get yourself closer to God. There is only one thing. There is Jesus. That should be good news. That's the gospel. But when we add in all these other works... Becomes no gospel at all. It's not good news. Jesus plus anything is not gospel. And so Paul is is imploring these people, sucked back by this by legalism. You got to get back to Jesus. You got to get back to Jesus. When I called, um, I've been touching base with my my family over the past you know couple weeks before I left, and it's hard to track something like this from from a distance. And you hear some things. You're like, well, should I come now? Should I go later? Uh, how's he doing? Is he awake? I mean, can I be helpful? And there's all these questions. You and I know that, right? When things come up in life, like, oh, uh, and you try to like kind of dance around it. And I think it might have been last Sunday after church. I was on the phone with my brothers and my mom, and they were, I could just tell they were just, they're just dying. I mean, my, my brother is like, I, I don't know how much longer we can do it. And they had been in for about two weeks to that, at that point. And I'm like, well, I'm going to book a flight. I'll come out in like, you know, a week or 10 days from now because I got to clear my schedule and I got all this stuff going on. And he's like, all right, man. He's like, but that's like, that feels like a long way away, and it's really hard. And I just heard that, and I called my mom, and, and, uh, and man, she's just hurting. And did she guilt me into it a little bit? Yeah, probably. Of course, she's my mom. She's going she's to lay a little guilt on. But, but it was a moment for me, and we talked about this stuff uh, a number of weeks ago, these chronos-kairos moments when in my mind the plan would be to all right let's give it a couple weeks let's wait till maybe he wakes up when could i be most helpful uh, i can clear my schedule in a couple of weeks i can be more present and all these reasons like that's the that's the the Kronos mind like i could sort this out it's linear i can put things in blocks in compartments but the kairos moment the divine moment when god was speaking was like people are hurting and they need you now and you can dance around that. But that moment was hitting, and, and, and I needed to go. And I have not always obeyed that in my life. I'm grateful for this time that I did. And I don't think I would ever go back and, and, and say, oh, man, I wish I didn't go. I wish I would have waited. Never. I've missed things like that in my past. And the moment hit, and it, just had, it was just time to engage. And it's hard to enter into these tough situations, right? Because many of us live without margins for anything coming up. Anyone relate to that? Like, I do not have any room in my life for stuff. Like, my life is full. I've got it mapped out. Nobody move, right? Like, it's, it's hard enough as is. Nobody do anything, and I will make it through the week. But as soon as something comes up, it's like, oh, gosh, there's no room for that. It's going to push something else out. And there's, there's this there's urgency of of Paul when I think he's writing this letter. He's like, wow, like, gosh, I should probably go, maybe I can go there and talk to some people. Let me see, what do I, when do I have time to get up there? I got to, you know, I'm supposed to be back in Jerusalem. It's like, I got to get some stuff out to these guys right now. And even in this letter, it, it's largely understood he writes it himself. He didn't probably typically write all his letters himself. People didn't do that in Bible times. They had someone who would write for them, a scribe or amanuenses that would would write, they would dictate the letter. Paul's like, I just got to get this thing going. I don't have time to to talk to other people about it. I don't have time to to spell check it. I just got to get this thing out there. Because there's this urgency, this breakdown of gospel in this whole area of churches. And he just had to get there. And I'm sure it was hard for him to hear. And it's hard for us to hear things like that when things are not going well in another, another area or or, or, or in our lives, or with people around us, like, oh, gosh, I really should probably see that person by, I don't know, when am I going to do that, or a family member needs me, but, man, it's hard. I was working yesterday at, at, at the brewery, and I was kind of hoping for a slow day. I, I got in at, like, 2 in the morning, and I had a really long week, and I'm like, man, maybe it'll be slow, and get in at 1130, and I could already tell it's going to be busy, and at noon, this huge wedding party comes in, like, all these these people, and uh, I'm like, oh boy! And they come in, and I'm like, all right, what's you know, I'm trying to find out what's happening, what's going on in the day, and, and they're they're celebrating, and I'm like, we so and so got married last night. This is like the after party, like the brunch, you know, the brunch afterwards. And it was funny seeing these guys come up because it looked like a lively bunch, and they would come up to to the bar to, to order a beer, and a lot of them were kind of like barely hanging in there, like they had a long night, you know. And and I'm like, I'm like man, you all right? And this one dude's like. Dude, we are all so hungover. I'm like, dude, what are you doing here? He's like, it's hard, but we're here. And like, and they're just digging deep and going for it. And you know what? Sometimes you have to do that. You just got to party the next morning. But they're like just digging, digging deep. And like, they got, they're there. Like, you know what? This is a one-time opportunity. These people got married. Yeah, we're tired. We're beat up. We're going to drink some water. And we're just going to go and have another one and keep, let the good times roll. Because sometimes you just need to do that, right? And you would never reg- regret going through that, like showing up the next day and having fun and socializing. Like, oh, you know, I wish I didn't do that. Because once they got going, right, people are, are laughing. And it's a good time. You just dig deep and go. And Paul's a guy, he repeatedly dove into tough stuff for the good of others. We read about this. I mean, he's, he's not ashamed to talk about how he was beaten and whipped and poisoned and shipwrecked. He's like, listen, I, I know it's hard. I get it. Paul, above all people... When you're called to go into the world and love others and share the gospel Paul's like, "Hey, listen, I'm not I never said it was easy." He's like, "I get it." But you dig in and you dive deep and you and and you go for it. And in Galatians we're talking about freedom. It's a gospel that Jesus brings freedom because religion, when religion gets in the hands of man, it gets oppressive really fast. It really does. I don't care what religion around the world, Christianity included, When men get involved with this thing, it gets oppressive. We use God as a sort of leverage thing. And the Jewish, the Judaizers, the religious leaders, they were leveraging the religion to keep the people in a certain place. And it was extremely oppressive. And, and, And there's this coercion about getting people to feel guilty and shame. They had to work their way out of it. And God does not coerce us from without. That is not what we're part of here. God sets us free from within. That We are not part of a religion, like we're just feeling this burden all the time. Jesus is like, no, we don't want that. Let me set you free from within. And this main issue of the law, and just to kind of go back a couple weeks, if you remember in the Old Testament law, there's there's, this, there's these books of the law. Anyone remember, like, Lucy, how many laws there were? Not, who said that? 613? Sarah, no, you can't answer. That doesn't count. There's 613 laws, and and there was a lot of things you shouldn't do and some things you should do. And it was for God's people. It was meant to keep them safe and, and, and for a season of time uh, kind of separated, sanctified, and, and, and it did work out and it did play its role for God's people. But Jesus came and there was, there was liberation of that. But the Jewish leaders of the time, they had those laws and they would add all these other laws on top of it, right? Remember that? They would add certain laws around the Sabbath and what they could do or not do. And, and so there was these laws and there was laws upon laws upon laws to try to keep the laws intact. And it was funny, I was out this weekend at the hospital out in, uh, in New Jersey, and I'm sure they have these other places, but I'd never seen one. Has anyone seen a Sabbath elevator? Sabbath elevator. Now, this is, this is the Northeast. There, there's a lot of Jewish culture and population out there, but a Sabbath elevator. So there's, you go to the elevators, and there's, the, there's all the normal elevator doors, and there's the buttons and stuff, and there's one elevator that says Sabbath elevator, and the Sabbath elevator has no buttons. It just goes up and it stops in every floor. Because according to Jewish law now, the Sabbath elevator, it, it works in, a, and I had to look this up, I didn't know, it works in a special mode. It operates automatically to satisfy the Jewish law requiring Jews to abstain from operating electrical switches on the Sabbath, right? And so they, they can go in the elevator, but they can't touch any buttons. And it's a real thing. I mean, it, 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 it feels a little bit comical, but that's what the Jewish leaders... It's still happening today. That's what they're talking about. That's why Paul is like, this is crazy, you guys. Do you even know what you're, what you're doing? He's like, you're riding the elevator anyway. Just who cares? Jesus came so you can push buttons on a Sunday. I mean, that, that is it. That's the gospel. You are free. Use the regular elevators. But that is it. I mean, I, that's, that is exactly... That is exactly what we're talking about here. When they made more out of it than they needed to, the Sabbath elevator, and 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 it's I was riding to the airport uh, yesterday, Friday or Saturday, uh, with the Uber driver from the hospital to um, to Newark and and uh, he was a West Indian guy from Saint Vincent or something in the Caribbean, cool guy. And we started talking about um, this life, and I had about 40 minutes with this guy, Faith, and, and all kinds of things. And he's a, he's a Seventh-day Adventist from, you know, back home. And, and, I, and I don't know, mean to project all this in any Seventh-day Adventist. I know a little bit about him, but some congregations and culture can be different. But he, for him, it was very legalistic. And when I told him I, you know, I, I worked at a bar as well, he just started dying laughing. He couldn't believe that a, a pastor can also you know, be part of beer, and he's like, well, I guess that's okay with your religion, and, 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 you know, it kind of spurs this conversation, and he started explaining the things he can, he can't do, and it's, and it's, uh, you know, no, no pork, no shellfish, uh, you know, work, and and it's very much sort of Jewish, oh, it's very much like our, our you know, our, our Jewish sort heritage, and he said, it is, he said, here's a problem, he says, there's no room to live life with people, and he's, and he's sharing this stuff, and he's in it, Cause I was talking with him, man. It's, you know, I get out and I'm and with people, and say, like, "I have no room to live life with people." And Jesus came to set free, so we can live life right in the full, in the abundance, with other people. He's like, "You guys cannot, as my people, as my nation, just be huddled together with all these walls up to keep you keep you apart from anybody any longer." It's like I got to get you out. You need to go be with other people, go live with other people, enjoy other people, have conversations, share my love with other people. Stop. Stop retreating and putting this big hedge of protection around yourselves. And the law, when, when the Jewish leaders came up with it, it was to sort of help us make amends with God. And then Jesus comes, hey, listen, I'm going to tear down the, the wall. I'm going to tear up the veil. Like, you have access to the Father now. It's, it's amazing. I want you to get to know my dad like I know him. I count you as brothers and sisters. Come in. Come into this relationship. And the leaders of the law are like, well, because even at this time, they're like, well, you have Jesus, but listen, you, you, like I said, you've got to get these other laws in place. This is going to help, help it go better. And the law is somehow to help Jesus. Like, well, Jesus works for most people, but you kind of need the law as well. That's going to be in, in your best interest. And the message is, is, is that Paul's like reminding me, listen, don't worry. Don't worry about who you are, where you come from, if you're Jew, Gentile, what, what your background was. Jesus is better at saving than we are at sinning. And you need to tell yourselves that, some of us. Jesus is better at saving than you are at sinning. Because you feel like, ah, yeah, but I know that, but he doesn't, you don't really know how I am. I don't need to know how you are. Jesus is better at saving than you are at sinning. And so for the people of Galatia, it is for freedom Christ set you free. I don't know what lies you were told by someone and said, Well, yeah, but you're not good enough. You don't have this background. You, you know, you haven't been to seminary, you didn't grow up in the temple, so we're gonna have to add a few things back in. Jesus is better at saving than, than, than we are at sinning. So Paul opens up and he's uh he's talking about how he kind of found Jesus, and there's this um kind of cool little section in here. We talked about how he he, he went out for for three years, he kind of roamed in Arabia, and this is, a, this is a time we don't know about. It's kind of the lost Paul years. It's probably some combination of uh, spending time with God himself and, and just taking a break from man and, and, and preaching the gospel in his own way. And he later comes back uh, to Jerusalem. So Jerusalem is where our, our apostles had been hanging out, uh, main city. They still haven't left yet. remember Jesus said, hey, go into all the world. Like it's years later, they're still there and and Paul comes back and says in, then after 3 years this is verse 18 of Galatians 1 uh 3 years later I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter and stayed with him for 15 days and this is probably around 37 38 AD so Jesus has you know come and gone he's 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 made a revelation to Paul the church is in acts early acts it's caring for people it's starting to grow and Paul, when he encounters Jesus, he doesn't first go to Jerusalem. He goes off on his own. And he's like, i got to get to know this guy, Peter, because I've heard about the church in Jerusalem. And, and this, this verb here, when he says he, he wants to spend time with Peter, visit Peter, get to know Peter, it's as if, as if a tourist would be going sightseeing. It's as if you've, you've heard about something, but I, I want to go see it. And the first century historian Josephus, so if you do any background on first century churches, this historian Josephus, he's like the guy. I mean, he, he's written a ton of stuff down. He backs up uh, a, a large part of the, the New Testament. And he uses this word when he visits ancient remains to investigate his story. So he'll be reading even at this time, like, well, what was this pillar of salt and, and where was this building? And he would go and he would use this verb to sort of get, get an idea of what it was like when it happened. And Paul uses this verb as well to to express his personal discoveries. And and he's spending time with Peter. And and, and it's funny in verse 19. So he's I'm going to stay with Peter for 15 days. Verse 19 says, The only other apostle apostle I met at that time was James, the Lord's brother. And they were all there. I don't think they wanted to meet with him. I don't think they wanted to see Paul. Remember who Paul was? He was a bad dude. He said, I got to spend time with Peter. And I kind of bumped into James. And you can imagine, like, Paul shows up, and I don't know if they heard about ahead of time, or he just knocked on the door. They knew who he was. And he's like, hey, I'd love to hear what God's been doing with you guys, because he's doing this with me. And all the apostles are like, ooh, wow, i got a really busy week. Uh, I don't, yeah, oh, look at the time i got to go. And he just kind of, like, ghost out of there. And then James is walking out, like, yeah, you're Jesus' brother. You should probably stay, you know. But Peter hangs out, and Peter visits with him. He says, for 15 days. And I wonder why Peter, of all guys, would give this guy a chance. And I was thinking because Peter was given a chance. If you think of all the disciples that Jesus walked with, which one comes to mind when you think of the great failure? It's Peter. Peter knows. Peter was just a kid, rough, fisherman, denied Jesus, And Jesus restored him. And then he hears about this guy, Paul. Like, Oh, my gosh, this guy was destroying the church, but I guess God's got a hold of him. Like, I guess. If he did it for me, he can do it for you. And Peter gives Paul this chance, and they spend all this time together. And Paul wanted to hear Peter's story. He's like, I've heard about this thing. I've met this guy, but I want to hear how he's been working in you. Because we come from different places, even in this room. We have different experiences with God, but we can be encouraged from one another because our experiences are different. Paul's like, I want to learn from you. And in this idea of sort of sightseeing through, through life, you can imagine Peter's like taking him around. And, and Paul has heard about these things by now. And there's been, been talk and sort of oral history and some things have been written down. Paul, Peter can be like, yeah, oh, well, this is, yeah, here's the garden. Like Paul's like, oh my gosh, I, I wanted to see the garden. This is where it went down? Peter's like, yeah, that's where I cut that guy's ear off over there. He had it coming. You can imagine these guys hanging out in Jerusalem. It's like, how has God shown himself to you? And I, I don't know. I have to imagine Peter's probably inquiring of Paul. Like, wait, so he showed up on the road? He's been dead for years. What? Paul would be like, oh, man, this is where Jesus was arrested. Man, it's amazing. That's Peter, isn't that where you denied Jesus three times? Peter's like, no, no, different place. But they go back and forth, right? And you can spend this time, right? Man, is that where you denied Jesus? Peter's like, yeah, hey, isn't that where you dragged Stephen out and stone him to death? And like, they have this history of, of doing bad things to the church. But they're connecting and talking story. And their failure and their brokenness together is this adhesive. And this is a formation of, of the church, even as we know it. And they come from different places. And Peter and Paul will have disagreements even later on. We'll look at that. But, man, they're connected and sharing the same Jesus. And sharing painful experience, as you know, and I, and I can testify to this this week, just going crazy in a hospital room, it carries more weight than just fun times. When you share something painful with someone, I mean, it connects you. Hard seasons. I can remember hard seasons pretty well. I don't remember every fun thing I did. They're connected through this. And Peter gave Paul a chance because Peter's been given chances. And Paul put himself out there because he's, he's encountered this Jesus, and I want to hear more about how Jesus is working in other people. There's a very dynamic relationship. And our stories connect us. We need to tell those stories. I've, I've been you know, doing this thing for a number of years now. I've had this conversation more than once. I'm hearing somebody's story and their testimony, and it just ignites me and encourages me. And I've also talked to people after I've said that, like, man, I haven't shared that story for a long time. Because at one point you're excited about it and you're around new people and it's new, but sometimes you just it just sort of falls off, and that story can be anything. It could be oh, I just grew up in the church and I've and I've you know always always followed God and this that's great that's an amazing story. Maybe your story, man, I was in a meeting I don't even know why I was there my hand went up and, and here I am like that's awesome. Or I was in a really dark place and I was broken and lost and and I found Jesus and and it's this sort of radical transformation. Man, good story. Every story of encountering Jesus is a good story, whatever it is, and it can encourage somebody else. i have the to uh, have the band come up. We'll close out with a, with a song. I just want to encourage you today in, in your journey and your story. To remember that Jesus is better at saving than you are at sinning, and he wants to keep moving you along. Don't go back. Don't feel guilt, shame. Don't let it pull you down. That's part of, your, part of your story. Share your story with people. Whatever it is, however broken and however ashamed of it you are, however uninteresting you think it is, yeah, don't forget. Our stories pull us together, and that is, what we, that is what God has given us to use. God, thanks for this morning. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us. Thank you for each and every person in this room, Lord. Let's pray encouragement of their soul. Maybe it's something I talked about. Maybe it's not even close to anything I talked about, but I pray for encouragement right now. Uh, that you bring peace upon the individual, whatever storm is going on in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to Pastor Jesse Gilio, recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. For more information about New Church, go to N E u-e-c-h-u-r-c-h dot Again, that web address is n-e-u-e-c-h-u-r-c-h dot com. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you and yours.